Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're buffoons. Mackey and Judd. They are not buffoons. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Murphy and Medcalf here in for Mackey and Judd. It's that time again uh, for questions of significant importance. And Dave... I hear you got some doozies. I always have doozies. I've always got three doozies lined up, and we're going to start with this one. I came across a story, ESPN.com today, about the personal injury attorney, longtime Lakers season ticket holder, Jacob Emrani. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who put up a few billboards a few months ago, oh, okay. put up four of them yeah. to try to you know convince LeBron to come to L.A. Well, he's back at it, except he's paid for over 40 Billboards around Los Angeles. That can't be cheap in that market. Including two near Staples Center. Not cheap at all. Uh, Centered around not only LeBron, but also a big focus on Paul George. There's Hmm. different photos, different slogans, different hashtags. PG to LA. Can't spell purple and gold without PG. (laughs) And there's some, you know, LeBron ones as well. So 40 billboards. I want to know, and separate answers here, both for LeBron. And Paul George. Percent chance it actually impacts their decision, knowing that some uh, random big-time Lakers fan has put up billboards wanting them to come to L.A. Does it actually matter? Seems pretty easy to me. I'm going to say zero. In fact, I'm going to say negative 10%. Negative I don't think you any, don't go. Do you honestly believe go. some person, some guy buying billboards in L.A. is going to entice either one of these guys? Um, LeBron's going to make himself a decision, too. Uh, Paul George isn't going to be paid. I, I don't see any professional athlete being lured by fans anywhere. It's money, it's opportunity, and it's pers- and the the the, uh, the size of the market in that order that would lure a free agent to anywhere. I, Starting with money again. Did I mention money? <laughs> I think Paul George. It, it probably has a bigger influence than LeBron. But Paul George, I'll say thirty. Because I think, I mean, he's from the area. He has made it clear that, that that's where he wants to go. Um, and he hasn't been treated like a king like LeBron. I mean, Paul George was at Indiana, gets traded to Oklahoma City. This is his first time where a team has put on a show for him. So I actually think Paul George... And the hometown. Yeah, will be more impressed by this than 
LeBron, who, you know, probably has 40 billboards of himself behind his L.A. mansion that he just built. (laughs) (laughs) Showing Bronny Jr.? You see that highlight, by the way, a couple days ago, his kid trying to dunk? Didn't dunk. Didn't dunk, and LeBron's uh, just I got one of those highlights. You're kidding me, kid. Come on. (laughs) But that was like the biggest thing. Like, he he almost dunked. That's the first time a kid has been praised for almost dunking, right? (laughs) Ah, Nearly got there. He did. He got close. Uh, the NBA Awards last night, you've got everything from the fans voting the best style award That's to uh, Russell Westbrook, teammate of the year. I still love that one. We have a teammate of the year. Then you got the big ones, the MVP, six man, most improved, blah, 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 blah. What awards mean the most to you when it comes to NBA, MLB, whatever it is? If I could give you only three postseason awards to give out, what would they be, regardless of sport? I'm going to go with the Con Smythe Trophy winner because, A, it's just named after somebody as opposed to just the generic most valuable player. It's the most valuable player in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I would say uh, baseball's Cy Young Award winners, A, because it's named, but it also uh, uh, brings up the best pitching talent, uh, starting pitching talent, and I think it's more telling than maybe even most valuable player because I think a dominant pitcher can have a greater impact sometimes than even a position player. And then third, I would go, uh, let's just to be a contrarian, I'm going to say teammate of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is such an NBA award. It really is. Between that and the style award. (laughs) I I feel like baseball MVP, as confusing as it is, and we talked about this. And there's two of them. There's two. I mean, I just feel like you got to really stand out in a very difficult game uh, in order to win, um, even though Mike Trout is not your MVP. Um, but I think it's a very it's difficult to get that award. you got to do a lot of things in a difficult sport. So I'll say that. NBA, I don't know if any of them mean much to me. I mean, Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year, then he got swept. Maybe Rookie of the Year because it's fun. They still know? do six-man? Oh, yeah. Still six-man's six a good man. one. But I'll go with Rookie of the Year in the NBA. Are you in on the Rookie of the Year controversy? Ben Simmons. My problem is if Ben Simmons misses three years, let's say, and comes back and he's like 24, then people would have a different perception, I think. But it's like, oh, he missed a year. But isn't that part of the deal of being a rookie? I agree. It's your first year I don't think he's a rookie, but the NBA disagrees. Yeah, NBA disagrees with a lot of things. I guess my (laughs) third award would be NFL MVP because I feel like if you have that award that to me is the closest thing we have to the best player in their sport like that to me is the closest of all the MVP races like if you get that award I would say for the most part in the NFL you are viewed as the best player in the sport and if you win it and you're not a quarterback it means you're really good barry sanders adrian peterson i mean Mm -hmm. you got to be really special to be the quarterback Mm -hmm. so all right final question are you guys familiar with the date mary kill game no you i am not you pick three names you know maybe it's three celebrities and you have to pick one that you would date one that you would marry and one that you'd shove off the cliff Okay. Oh, well, we're doing it a little differently okay. because that grilled meat segment, uh, yeah. two segments, yeah. <laughs> got me thinking. 
Got my mouth watering a little bit. Good. I don't have to apologize to my wife now after this segment. I, thought, exactly. I was thinking where you're going. No, 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 no. No. Well, you might have to apologize anyway. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I have three different types of meat for you. You're going to have to pick one to date. Let's say you can have a dalliance with every once in a while. You can't have a whole lot, though. Okay. One to marry means you can eat it whenever you want. And the other you've got to kill. You can't have it for the rest of your life. Grilled however you want to provi- or, uh, prepare it. Can't have it. All right? Okay. Beef, pork, chicken. Uh, I, I'll kill that. That does nothing for me. I don't even know what the heck it is. No, is no, it? you have to pick one today. <laughs> kill him. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh I thought you were like grinding it all together. <laughs> no. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying now. I'm sorry. I did not get the premise there. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Beef, pork, chicken. I don't want beef, that pork, chicken. I will marry beef. I will interesting. date I pork, and I could do without chicken. That's wow. interesting. What, is that I, unhealthy? or is Well, it? No, no, I want Myron's answer first, because myself and Max have been really debating this, too. Yeah, I'll marry beef, I'll date pork, and I'll get rid of chicken. Wow. I would, I would date pork, you know. Because um, we're talking bacon. Yeah. yeah. You damn yeah, it. Barbecue, you know, I mean, yeah, bro, I would date pork. I'd marry chicken. I would kill beef. I mean, I don't know. It's beef's okay. I think I'd that's have to kill the beef most too. un-American thing you could ever say. Yeah, hey, I just don't. Beef is especially around here, like bison and some of the other forms of meat. You know, I, I don't need beef. I need a hamburger though. That's the only problem because I think I'm with you. I think I'd want to marry chicken. Yeah, because you can go fried chicken. You can do too. so many things. And but the burger, you're right. I love a what good about pork steak. How can you I can do without steak? That's why it's so hard. It's I could, unanswerable. I could do without steak. Really? I, I could do. I mean, if you if you said I couldn't mm. have it anymore, I'd be burger would be harder. I love steak, but I can substitute a pork chop, and I'd be okay with that. I like that. <sighs> yeah, a good. I take a good. What's the big difference between a good pork chop and a good steak? I mean, it's, it's a very different flavor, but a good pork chop. What? Is I'll take a good dynamite. Pork, what? I'll take a good pork chop. What is that question steak. again? What's the difference between a good pork chop and a good steak? Uh oh. The difference is a good steak. Well, I guess. <laughs> says the guy who goes medium well. Shame on you. Oh yeah, I got, all three. I, I got shamed on Twitter because of that. Oh, I don't want to hear it. Mike Zimmer cooked a steak for me. And I said it was medium well, and uh, the, the Twitter nation came down like a dumpster on me. But medium well is safe for a steak. If you know who's cooking. Yeah, people want it bloody. I just can't do it bloody. Did Mike ask how you wanted it? Or did yes, just... he did. He did. And he didn't shame me. Okay. He didn't give you a sideways glance. No, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had medium uh, well as well. But, I mean, you know, Mike Zimmer walks on water, so yeah, nobody's going to roast him for that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, beef. I don't. There's so many things you can do besides beef. I feel like it's. it's You'd miss a good, you know, hamburger though, wouldn't you? You, you would. You ever had bison? You ever had bison? Bur- you ever it's had... been a long time, it's but good. I have. It's good. I mean, but I mean, yeah. you can't get. It. You can't go to you know Five Guys or whatever and say I'll have the bison. Not yet. You got to go to a special. We just gave place. them a good idea. I may have. <laughs> I may have. I like the peanuts there too. Oh yeah, the free peanuts while you're waiting. Quality. Yeah. Okay. That's well, a good addition. It is. It's something to do. It is. But yeah, pork chop. I got pork chops. I'm okay. Chicken, beef. I'll go brisket on the pork end. If you well, that's, see, that's what, but that's what I'm thinking. That That's how I was thinking of it. If I was going to date pork, that would be why. That would be the reason. Now you're going to cheat on chicken for pork? A couple times a week, man. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh man! So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go out on that. Pick your meat. That's uh, right. <laughs> what are we talking? Marry pork or date pork? Whatever we said. All right, Murphy and Medcalf in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back right after this. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Gotta hurry if we want to get a seat. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back right now on fifteen hundred ESPN. As we mentioned earlier with Jason Stark, the Twins are back in action tonight, opening a three-game series in Chicago against the White Sox. Well, they'll stick around in Chicago for the weekend and move over and play the Cubs at Wrigley Field before heading north to play three more against the Milwaukee Brewers in Bratville. Uh, That's a nine-game road trip. They start the day eight games behind the Cleveland Indians. Didn't it seem to be about four about a week ago? Or something like that. It seemed about four and a half. Oh, five or so, yeah. Now it's eight, yeah. and they're also six games under five hundred. The season appears to be slipping away. General Manager Thad Levine uh, gave an interview to MLB.com earlier today. If you if you were to guess whether the Twins are buyers or sellers, I'd like you to hear this quote and maybe kind of maybe make up your mind. Quote Levine: We're talking, we're walking that line that we're hopeful that once we get everyone back together, we're going to take off. The other side of that is how much of this is wishful thinking. At what point in the season are you who you are, and you need to embrace that? A lot of things went our way last year, and may, maybe not as many are going our way this year. Can you play uh, either taps or some funeral music behind that? Because that sounds like <laughs> we're about to have a sell-off here pretty soon in Twins Nation. I don't know, Myron, how did it, that strike it you? It sounded pretty ominous. I mean, it basically sounds like he's saying, we kind of know who we are. Uh, we're not going to kid ourselves anymore. We are uh, seven and a half games back. Eight. Eight. Uh, we are not going to make a run. We're banged up. Uh, we got what a month before the trade deadline? Uh, July thirty first. Yeah, about a month. Um, it, it, folks, we're gonna sell, and we're gonna sell big. And we're gonna sell like. low. I don't know what they're gonna sell right yeah, now. Good question. Like, but they're this is not sound like they're in a buyer's uh, frame of mind. He's even acknowledging that last year uh, there was a golden horseshoe kind of type year where things went their way last year and they're not going our way this year. And don't forget, they sold off last year. Yeah, They sold off Brandon Kinsler at the trade deadline and basically waved the white flag and the clubhouse had a near mutiny and said, hey, you know what? We're going to rip off a 20-7 and August. We're going to get back into contention here and we're going to get the wild card berth in spite of our front office and then we're going to lay down like lambs against the Yankees as usual. But I don't don't get the impression that uh, the front office is buying in at all to the 2018 version of the Twins, uh, banged up or not. Uh, It doesn't sound like they're going to be uh, they're going to be very active trying to add to the roster and maybe make a, a postseason run. Yeah, and it's confusing. Again, we talked about the Brewers earlier in the show, and that's a team that has dealt with some of the same obstacles, small market team, uh, largely had to build up from its farm system because you can't attract a lot of big-time free agents. Um, they got Lorenzo Cain to come back to Milwaukee, but they're sitting in first place in a division with the Cubs and Cards. This is not a great division. And if you're you're continuing to sink uh, in a division like this for the Twins, and it's just not clicking, you know, I feel like people in Thad's position feel like we might as well try something. We might as well, you know, get rid of some guys. See if we can bring in some young 
talent. What does all this mean for Molitor, though? I mean, if you hear this in your you're Paul Molitor, and you read a quote like that, Brian. What are you thinking when you see that? Why did I sign this three-year extension? <laughs> right. Uh, no, he did. I mean, the, the, the you know, the, uh, he was a lame duck last year, and all the speculation was is Paul Molitor managing for his job. Well, clearly he was in front of a new regime, and I think they decided, look, we just got a guy in the postseason. Uh, how do we fire him? Never mind Dwayne Casey and the Toronto Raptors, yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, I think that they made up their minds that they liked what Paul Molitor did with the roster. He's a local guy. It would be politically unfeasible probably to fire him after uh, making it to the wild card round. But yeah, they're handcuffing him right now. I think it's obvious. I mean, they've they've been snake bitten by injuries. We've gone through the list over and over again. We know who isn't here. We know who's been here and left. We know who's getting banged up. We know who's getting rehabbed. Uh, we know who's getting reprogrammed in Miguel Sano down in single A, and they have not been able to field their everyday lineup once. But this, you know, it also begs the question, if the Twins are going to become sellers, who are they selling? I mean, there's three obvious names to me that are on the end of their contracts right now, the one-year deals that they signed. That's first baseman Logan Morrison, who I think has been hitting below 200 for, I don't know, 65 of the 70 games of the yeah. season. Yeah, uh, your starting pitcher, Lance Lynn, who's kind of emerging a bit as a horse. He's, it was a little bit of a late starter, but he's been, he's looked good in the last four or five outings. He might be marketable. And your closer again, just like last year, it was Brandon Kinsler. They ended up selling him off to the Washington Nationals. You got Fernando Rodney, who I think is, uh, 15 for 15 and, or he's, I think he saved, at least 10 or 12 in a row, and he's got 15 on the season, he might be another movable asset. I mean, these are the obvious choices, guys that are at, veterans that, the, that are at the end of their contracts. Yeah, and, it's, I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, what do you get in, in that situation? Rodney and Lynn might bring you back something. But the bottom line is, a team that we thought a year ago was inching toward improvement, uh, consistently fighting for a playoff spot, it's now back. It seems like that. It's, he's talking like a guy who's like, we got to go back to square one in a lot of ways. We got to go back and rethink this entire thing, which that's a pretty dramatic turn. Like, I know they squeezed into the playoff. I get all that. But there were signs of progress. And and the biggest difference to me is not all the injuries. It's Sano and Buxton not doing what we expected them to do. I'm not saying those two guys alone change everything. We've been talking about Mike Trout and how bad his team is, even as great as he is right now. But I think it would help a lot. And to have a guy in to know who goes from all-star to whatever this mess of a player is irrelevant. that we've been watching. I mean, he's been irrelevant this season. Irrelevant. And then there's the guy in Byron Buxton who, I mean, I guess you can keep waiting if that's your thing. Just, Just can't do anything at the plate. He's not doing anything at the minor league level. He's not doing anything right now, and he's going to come back here. He's hitting the ball hard. But what? You, who cares? Like, right? That's what people are saying because they like to believe that Buxton will somehow find he had, a swing. He had a three-run home run. He had a three-run homer the other night. Well, he, I hope he brings that back when he's back up. But those two guys, to me, Brian, and maybe I'm overthinking this, but I start there. Like, I start there and say. If those two had continued on the path we expected them to follow from last year, we'd be having a different conversation right now. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's ambitious. I don't know. Well, how many wins do you think they would have been worth if they were contributing regularly in this lineup? Do you think they'd be six games 
under 500, at 500, a little bit over. I'd say they'd at least be at 500, if not a little bit over. Um, Buxton's such a table setter. Sano would be driving runs in, and it just dictates the rest of your lineup. I mean, you got, you know, you got Maurer at leadoff, which they kind of like once in a while, but he should be far, he should be at least number two. Yeah. Um, you've got, you know, again, you've got a lineup almost every day that has Robbie Grossman. Now you got Taylor Motter. You've got, uh, you had Ryan Lamar in center field. I mean, you're not going to do much damage with this this lineup. You got Air here Andrianza, who's not used to playing 80 games, let alone 160. If he had a full season, it's, you know Polanco so should be coming back. Of course, with how snake bitten the Twins have been with injuries, he slams his finger in a door. It gets infected during his rehab stint. We don't know when he's going to be back. Irv Santana yeah. has been a ghost all season. We go down the line, but you're right. The two biggest guys, the two biggest disappointments, those that could not stay healthy and those that when they were healthy could not produce, Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton. What do they have with them? They're getting crushed in June. Like June has just been a nasty month, right? But April and May, it was a lot of one-run losses. It was a lot of games where if you have a Sano, if you have a Buxton, that extra run could be the difference. Those extra two runs could be the difference. So I, I just start there, and I think if you're sad, this isn't about the trade deadline as much as it's about what's the future of this team and the two guys who you thought would be leaders on this team. If Sano doesn't get back to who he once was, or at least the path we thought he was on, what happens? If you find out in these next three months that Buxton just just can't hit big league pitching, which is where I'm at. Like, I'm not in the whole, I don't care what he did for a couple of months last year. I just don't think it's there. If you've got a guy in Buxton who just can't hit big league pitching, what do you do with him? How do you invest in it? Well, you can't invest and you're not going to move. So what do you do? I mean, but those are the kinds of problems that I feel bad for Molitor in that he can't control the Buxton injuries, but there's an element of Buxton, obviously, where we're seeing him repeat the same challenges, right? Sano feels more like a no one can connect to him and get him to figure out what else, whatever is going on. But if you're Molitor and you get fired, you're going to look back at these two guys. I mean, I'm not going to blame them, but you're going to look back at these two guys who we thought were on the verge of solidifying your spot. And now they could cost you your job, I think, in a lot of ways because they weren't who we expected them to be. Well, I think a lot of fans in this market are probably saying to the Twins, let's just beat it. Let's just move on. And that was a very cheesy segue into uh, how we're going to get back into Michael Jackson here. I listed earlier today my five biggest Michael Jackson songs in uh, in remembrance because it was nine years ago today that Michael Jackson died. He would have been 60 in August. Myron Metcalf has his top five list coming up right after this. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back. ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is the pecking order. Today's topic, the best of Michael Jackson. Here are Myron and Brian. Oh, you did it. You really did it. Don't put it on me. You requested it. I, I, I did I did only so I could beat it down. Oh, ah, beat ah, away! Ah, um, 
somehow, somehow we've been talking about, uh, well, nine years ago today, Michael Jackson died. He would have been 60 this August. Of course, the king of pop, one of the all-time great entertainers of this uh, of this generation or, you know, even previous. We decided uh, for our pecking order to list the top five Michael Jackson songs. I already did mine earlier in the segment. I'll I'll just rattle them off real quick. It was Billie Jean, Thriller, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Beat It, and ABC, which of course was a Jackson 5 song. Now it's Myron Medcalf's turn. And by the way, Billboard Magazine ranked Say 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 as the number one <laughs> Michael Jackson song, which no I just find <laughs> deplorable. Oh, no. No, First of all, it's a duet with Paul McCartney. It's not even him. It doesn't represent Michael's catalog. Please. Number one? Number one. Maybe it's the most commercially successful one, Maybe. but anyway. Myron, the stage is yours. Well, it's amazing how large his catalog is because I didn't repeat any of your five of Michael Jackson's greatest songs. Wow. So then you are doing some deeper cuts. I'm, I'm, well, I don't know. I mean, you'll know most of Okay, these. okay. Number five, going in reverse order, Never Can Say Goodbye, which I thought it's a Jackson 5 song, three weeks at number two on the charts. I mean, this was like a young guy. Jackson 5 was like a teenage group, and he's writing about, you know, a girl he can't give up. I Did mean, he write it? Well, I don't think he wrote it. <laughs> I'd but, love to know that. But, you know, that's like, uh, at the time, it was actually a bit controversial. I mean, they were kind of a young group singing about this girl he couldn't give up. Everybody's been there. You know, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, we've all you stalked. Know, there's that same unhappy feeling. There's that anguish. There's that doubt. A powerful song. So Never Can't Say Goodbye was smooth, soulful. It's one of my favorite Jackson 5, Michael Jackson songs. So that's number five for me. Number four, Dancing Machine, another Jackson 5 song. Wow, you're, you're staying old school. 22 weeks on the charts, 1974. Why I love that song and why that song is so important is it really inspired a lot of the pop and lock movement. If you remember, uh, Michael Jackson was on the Ed Sullivan show, Yep, I believe. And he was doing like his breakdance, pop and lock kind of thing, and everything went crazy. I mean, that's when he became sort of this dancing phenom. And I think he did sort of an early version of the moonwalk on that show as well. And Dancing Machine was sort of that vibe. You know, everyone's kind of breakdancing too. When you hear like hip hop today, if you go back and listen to Dancing Machine in 1974, you can hear a lot of those rhythms and beats and bass lines and what they were doing 40 years ago, which is pretty fascinating. Uh, number three, The Way You Make Me Feel. That's a feel-good song. 18 weeks on the Hot 100 charts, peaked at number one, 1988. What I love about this song is, it is, I don't know how you come back from Thriller, right? Like, I don't know how an artist makes the biggest album of all time, goes back into the studio, and makes more music, right? Because I'm sure the expectations, like, you think people feel pressure today in music because of social media i can't imagine having a record that was the biggest record in the world going back to the studio making more hits uh this was a a song at 1988 peaked at number one 18 weeks on the hot 100 charts um it it, feel good song the way you make me feel it's about michael jackson and how someone made him feel i mean he was a dancer he was a performer he was a great songwriter and I think this is one of those songs that 
makes that clear. And I think it should be pointed out, too, when after it, it, there was a tribute concert for Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder actually sang that song and he couldn't get through it because he broke down in the middle of it. He yeah. actually could not get through that song in remembering Michael Jackson. It's pretty amazing. I mean, the impact, his memorial and that funeral, I remember all those things. And he obviously touched a lot of artists. And, and I think the biggest sign of respect is if people duplicate your work and a lot of Michael Jackson songs have been covered uh, by other artists over the years. Number two, Man in the Mirror. He got political. Political, and it was his fourth consecutive number one song off Bad. Again, Thriller is huge. Now, how do you come back from that? This guy is still going strong in the 80s. Man in the Mirror. You know, Hey, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. If you want to change the world, look at yourself. Uh, so it was a very, you know, a guy who could write a song about Never can't say goodbye or, or the way you make me feel and could do all of these sort of pop things also showed that he could write a pretty stirring song uh, about personal change and self-reflection. And, you know, this is more common today, I think. But at the time, that was a pretty groundbreaking kind of song. And then the video on top of it, I remember him performing yeah, it news, live. The news clips that they showed were pretty stark. It's pretty amazing. And I remember him performing it live. I believe at the Grammys in 88, where it's just Michael on a stage with a mirror and people are crying. It's just this whole thing because that's the impact he had. Number one, I'm kind of cheating a little bit, but I I think it qualifies. Michael Jackson uh, performed this with a number of other artists. We are the world. We are the the world. The ultimate ensemble. The uh, USA benefit for uh, children in Africa. Kenny Rogers is on it. Paul Simon, Bob Dylan. You've all seen the video. Willie Nelson. Uh, Michael Jackson wrote it with Lionel Richie. Uh, Stevie Wonder's on the track. He wrote it? He co-wrote it? Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie wrote it in seven weeks. I did not know that. Wrote it together. Uh, Ray Charles. Here's the interesting thing. Like, we see all the people in the video. He had a bunch of people singing background vocals who were celebrities and that people may not even know. Dan Aykroyd is on We Are the World singing part of the chorus. As Elwood Blues or Jake, whichever one he was. He wasn't in the video, though. But he's singing the chorus. So on the release, Bette Midler is singing part of the chorus as well. Uh, So it's pretty amazing. That song made $63 million that was used for humanitarian aid in Africa. And again, it is kind of cheating because there are other people, but... Who else could pull that kind well, of a if he crowd together? Wrote it. I mean, that you know that that's enough credibility right there. Plus, he had one of the more soulful parts of that song he did. too. And, and who could pull together that kind of lineup? Who who could call Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, and they're like, okay, Michael, sure, we'll yeah, whatever you say, we'll we'll come join you. Like that's the kind of pull Michael had. And that song, like the video, are you kidding? Like it was like every star you could imagine at the time, all in one big video. We are the world, and he had his sailor. Or he had his captain's yeah, jacket on. Yeah, he had his own like the, captain's jacket kind of, kind of thing. He never knew how to tone it down. He had to be cool. Wrap around shades, we, Jerry Coral. Yeah. <laughs> we are, but not burned. Remember, we got burned. Remember that? Yeah, the, the Jerry Pepsi Curl commercial. Juice, the Pepsi commercial. Um, but we are the world. That's my number one. Is that cheating? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I don't think it's cheating. I think it's wrong, but it's not cheating. <laughs> I didn't say say, say, say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. And from the peanut gallery, you didn't have to weigh in with five, but what's your number one? Oh, Billy Jean's my number yeah, one. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. you, it's hard that, to argue. that's a mic drop there. I mean, it's hard yeah, to argue that. It's, it's, yeah, well, what else can you say? It's, it's a great dynamite. song. It's a great song. We Are the World is a fine tune, but come on. 
Come on, Myron. You're better than that. Do you see the crowd? Go watch the video. (laughs) Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers, Willie Nelson. Yeah. With Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles. Like, who could get that group together? I'm not saying it's not an impressive feat, that it's not a fine piece of musical work, but come on, Billie Jean. It was a moment in time. It was a statement. Yes. it it had an impact that that as, as Myron said, you wouldn't be able to get all of those people or that cross section of genres in the same room to yeah. to record anything together who, without who, without that star power that decided and he co-wrote it. Yeah, who who would be today? Like I don't know who would be who would be the celebrities oh, that you'd want. Let, let's do uh, that's a, a great that's a great question. Like who would today's We Are the World would ensemble put? be? Tweet us. If you have some answers on that, tweet us at 1500 ESPN, 651-646-8255. Yeah, we can bring it to, a, to an, a soft landing here today with that. Who would today's We Are the World be? Who would you put in that? All right, we'll be back after this. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Baby. On 1500 ESPN. Now back to Mackie and Judd, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. This is going to be my happy place. On 1500 ESPN. Get Minnesota United match reactions plus MLS news straight from the team. And tonight you can do it live. The Adrian Heath Show with Adrian Heath and Jamie Watson will be at the local in downtown Minneapolis for a live broadcast tonight, 6 to 7. It's presented by Heineken. Come watch the show, talk soccer, win prizes, and more. Details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. That's tonight. The local, 6 to 7. Adrian Heath Show. Myron Metcalf, Brian Murphy, don't call him the Murph. He would kill beef, chicken, and pork if it was all mixed up in one pot. <laughs> yeah, the, and, and, the and, and by the way, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Jim Holm on Twitter points out to me, which is obvious, brisket is beef. I think I uh, put it in the pork realm during our last discussion. Yeah, but, yeah, it's um, okay. It's all right. I, we'll I be should, all right. Yeah, but that's that's kind of a major faux pas in the, uh, in the realm of beef. Well, uh, thanks, Jim, for pointing that out. Well, what we have cooking next in this segment. Uh-huh. You see what I just did there? Yeah. You see what I just did there? You going to bring up your grill again? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We were talking about We Are the World. Yeah. And all the artists and all the stars who were in that production. Kenny Rogers, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder. You, you, It'd be hard to get a group like that together today. First and foremost, because I don't know that you have icons like that. You know what I mean? You you legitimately got all of the 80s and 70s icons in one studio to do this track, which I don't know if you could do that today. But if you had to put together a We Are The World team of of artists. 2018. 2018. Who, who would be in the room? Who would be in the studio to make We Are The World 2.0? I did throw a quick list together during the break, and this is just my – and I, I'm missing – Plenty, but this is—I think this is the. Uh, uh, these are the these are the folks that you got to consider. I'd say Jay Z and Beyonce because they're a package deal, right? Yeah, we'll take Beyonce. I don't know if Jay Z has to. Be All right, there. fine. Katy Perry, Bruno Mars. But if if Katy's there, Taylor can't be there. It's one or the other. You got to pick Taylor Swift or Katy. So which? I'll take Katy Perry. Uh, yeah, just, okay. Just on, I mean, I you know I'm not. I'm, my daughter loves Taylor Swift, but yeah. I'll take Katy Perry. Bruno Mars. That's a good one. Uh, Daft Punk. But is he going to be dancing the whole time, though? Is is Bruno Mars going to be able to sit still in the studio <laughs> no, and sing a song? No, he be, but he's the biggest name going right now just, in pop, right? He's going to be doing backflips for no reason. But that's a good list. Okay. Foo Fighters. 
Really? Just cause you, well, you need a rock element. You need an alternative rock element, and they're they're still together. Uh, and then if you're going to go geezers or old school, you probably still got to have Bruce Springsteen and maybe you 2 in there. I had Bono on my list. Okay. Only Bono? Yeah, he, yeah, I guess yeah, so. I don't know if the other guys are. Yeah, they're probably. Bono. Got the edge with yeah. the skull cap just hanging out. I like your list. Bono's coming. Somebody's got to sing. Yeah, and the get, edge doesn't sing. You got to put Bono on there. I'd still keep Elton John on there. I mean, I, I think if you want sort of that old school, uh, if you want newer vibes, you got to have Taylor Swift, I think. She's, she's Okay. Instead she's of Katy huge. Perry. They, they don't get along, so you got to yeah, pick okay. one or the other. You can't have Kanye then either if uh, no, Taylor's coming. Ka- uh, Kanye's, he's in Wyoming. He's not, no, not going to be here. Carrie Under. I think oh, yeah, I did, I did not take into account country. She would, oh, Carrie Underwood would, if you want to talk about like one of the four or five like best voices, regardless of John, Carrie Underwood, it's hard to beat her. I mean, she is mm-hmm. right there at the top. Um, Maroon 5. I think Maroon 5 would okay. be on that. Adam Levine's kind of got some star power with uh, you know, the voice and all that. People, people like that voice, and they like his voice, I guess. Dave Matthews Band has got to be in the room, right? Is Dave Matthews in the room, but he's nah. by himself, not the whole the whole ensemble. Well, the, Dave Matthews, the fiddler. Well, well yeah, they probably want to do their own version if we brought them all. Just Dave, <laughs> just bring Dave. He'd bring the weed. Yeah, he'd bring a lot of other things. Dave, you got to put a uh, pit bull in there. Although <laughs> that'll be a different song. Well, there's just going to be strobe lights and all kinds of weird beat changes once he starts singing. Uh, Shakira. Was on my list. Is she still, is she a still thing? big? I don't know. I, 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 I was just going to say, is she still a thing? I don't know if she's still big. She was on The Voice for a season. Okay, I'll give you that. I had no idea not? what she said. No, she's from Columbia, I think. had yes, no idea she what is. she was saying when she was giving her advice, but I don't think anybody cared. Uh, I don't know if she's a big deal or not. Beyonce okay. is on the team. Kendrick Lamar, Drake, I mean, one of those, you know, to have a, to have a rapper in it. Is Imagine Dragons, are they at that level, or is that... They're annoying to no, me. I can't stand them. Why do yeah, people like them? Because they yell. It's like, it's like Florida they Georgia Line. Sing. They yell. It's they like yell. Florida Georgia Line. Why do people not like? What is it about Imagine Dragons? Uh, it's the uh, to me, it's their style. They they kind of scream. It's that wall of sound, and then plus all the networks have kind of co opted their songs and stapled them to all great sport events now. Yes, they and have. that drives me nuts too. Yeah. So they they become a bit of a cliche, kind of like One Republic. Wow! Not to be confused by not one direction, one one republic, because it's the same thing. NBC will take uh, whatever hit song they have and and make it about and make it about you know whatever uh, game three of the finals are. I just I don't like no Imagine Dragons. No, I kick them out. If they that. weren't popular, I wouldn't hate them. But because they are popular, then I have to overcompensate. Wait, wait, explain really. that. Explain that. If they weren't popular, you wouldn't care. If people didn't love them so much, I wouldn't feel the need to really go against the tide. I would just yeah. not really care about them at all. But they're like as Murph said, the, the song's been co-opted. You know, played everywhere now over every commercial. And yeah. Are you inviting Sting? Lightning and the thunder. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's what it. Yes. Are you uh, inviting Sting? I, yeah. I. I, if, I don't know. I mean, is he still relevant? I mean, I guess that's the question. Is he still relevant? I mean, he's still, an icon. He's still selling. Well, he just did an album with Shaggy. Okay, then okay. He I guess the answer is no. All right. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, if point. he's still relevant, First if, in off, your eyes, I, I'll, I, I can live with Sting. Shaggy's proof that if you can talk in a Jamaican accent, you can make money. Oh, you can sell. How about George Clinton? 20... Can he get through customs if we gotta if we gotta get him? Where's he at nowadays? I don't I don't know. But he he actually just announced 
uh, Parliament is going on their final tour. Oh, the farewell tour. The greatest show I have ever been to Funkadelic? in my life. Parliament, three and a half hours, Milwaukee's Eagle Ball, Eagles Ballroom. They never stopped playing. Even when they were done playing a song, they were still had Bootsy Collins on the bass line, like just kind of, it just... Nonstop. It never wow. stopped. Never stopped. Um, so, I don't know. It's a good list. I think that's a pretty good list. We covered a ton here today, did we not? We might have taken out some guardrail with all everything we dealt with today. I mean, we were just all over, back and forth, and which is not bad for June 26th when there's not a hell of a lot going on in the sports world. No, I was trying to think of more names. Justin Timberlake's got to go. Oh, yeah. How do we forget JT? But again, if you bring Bruno Mars and JT, you're never going to get anything done. There's going to be a (laughs) dance-off and a sing-off, and you're not even going to get to the song. It, it's it's you can't you can't bring them both. You Bragging pick, about Super Bowl appearances. You got to pick one or the other. Who would you pick between the two? I'd take JT. JT. I think I'd take Bruno. Really? I think I would. I mean, they're both super talented. I I don't know. That's just a lot of energy. This has been fun though. Filling in for Mac and Judd, Brian Murphy, Myron Metcalf. Let's do it again very David, soon. The whole crew. Thanks for having us. Would love to do it again. Enjoy your day.